to talk about the uh, methods which we have just done in relation to the things which we have already discussed and learned, so that you can bring it into context. It's no use learning separate things and not being able to connect. A mind that practices has to be able to connect. And when you want to connect the whole thing, then one knows. This method is often called Vipassana, and I've already told you that that is a wrong name for any method, because that's what we try to get inside. A method is not inside. A method may produce inside, then why is it So we call it sweeping. And please don't get the idea that we're using a broom, also that has been done. So, it's, a, it's called sleeping, it's a nice name for it. Technical name, everybody knows who's ever done it most of This one is called part by part. In contradistinction to one where we are going to do the whole sleep, which we'll do another time which is exactly the same method, except it has a different approach. And having a different approach, it also has different, can have different results. This is second phase of mindfulness. Vedana Nupasana. Mindfulness of feeling. Mindfulness of sensation. Now when I explained mindfulness of feeling, I already said that it has mindfulness of sensation embedded in it, but I didn't go into any detail on the mindfulness of sensation because I tried to explain the sequence of happening, how it happens when we have sense contact. And as when we have sense contact, feeling arises and of course sensation does too. Very simple. Teacher put on the stone and got a sensation around certain points. So, here we have an opportunity to become aware of both. And as we become aware of both, we have an automatic purification system, which is one of the first aspects we can look at in this method. This method has many different aspects, and therefore, I'm going to say that right now, everybody should do this at least once a day, while you're here. What you do at home, whatever. While you're here, at least once a day. Very good thing to do first thing in the morning. It's like taking a mental shower. If you're used to taking a physical shower in the morning, this is a mental shower. You go have a physical shower first and come here and do this At least once a day. Anyone who felt more concentrated with this than with being on the breath and still searching for concentration, use it. Method is method by any name. It doesn't matter. All it has to do is bring calm or insight, preferably both. People get terribly attached to methods and think that methods are important. They are but it doesn't matter which one, as long as it works. So, we 
these are the two things. One person may still want to get more concentration if he's doing too well on that subject and it helps better with the concentration here, use this one. Everybody at least once a day. Now why is this a mental shower? All our emotions that we've ever had in this lifetime have had to manifest somehow or other. And there's only one way they can, and that's physically. And if we heard them often enough, they've got stuck. And they are stuck. As an example, when we feel happy, we might smile. Happy, emotion, smile, physical. When we feel unhappy, we might cry. Unhappy, emotion, cry, physical. One follows the other. Tension, shoulder contract. Worry, stomach ulcer. Who knows? Anything. Anything at all. Distraction, fall down. The mind has its states, mental and emotional states, and in particular the emotional states, but the mental states also play a part in it. And there's no other place to manifest except in the body. Now fear, in the throat or in the stomach. Interestingly enough, in the throat, very often with women, in the stomach with men. Not always. Not generally. But if a woman feels contraction or obstruction, fear. If a man feels the same in the stomach, in the abdominal area, fear. It's sort of down there, because the fear, the worry, the tension, whatever it may be, re-arises again and again and again. That's what it's called. And so it has to find a place somewhere. Now, fear, worry, tension, happiness, unhappiness, these are not intangible and totally translucent states which do not have any significance. We live by them. The significance is far more than anything that we could do physically. So they have to have a manifestation since they are so significant. And they have no other way to manifest except in the physical realm. We've only got one mind and we've only got one body. And the whole thing has its complete life system within those two. Outside of us, there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. Except what we react to. Nothing happens. It's all happening within. And only when we get to that point can we start to practice. When we still think it's all coming from outside and all these things that are happening and all these movies that are going on are for real and that we really have to get attached to them and identified with them and worry about them and cry about them and laugh about them. We aren't practicing. We are living a normal, mundane, worldly life called Kutushana in public. It's all right. Most people do. But if we want something more than that, we've got to start 
So with this mind and body we have the mind having the emotional state, also mental state, and the body having its manifestation of them. The more often we've done it, the more solidly it's embedded. And we probably have, everybody has some tension somewhere that it either doesn't go anymore or keeps recurring. That particular part of the body has been either a weaker part, which was more affected by this, or it just happened to be that this part got into the way. It's usually a weaker part, and it could actually be a part of the body that we do not even connect. So in other words, we don't have to connect that. My stomach ache is fear, my shoulder ache is tension, we don't have to connect that. These are only examples to make it a little clearer what is actually happening and why this is a um, purification method. We don't have to now think because we could have worry and fear manifest in the left shoulder and wouldn't have a clue what it is. It doesn't matter. Totally immaterial. There's no need to do this. It's a game because we get it. The only reason that I've mentioned is that there are some recurrences in people to show that we're all alike. Nobody is special. And only when we start recognizing that will we actually realize that we are embedded in the totality of creation and that there is nothing to fear or worry about. Other than we keep on feeling and worrying. So I think people enjoy that too. If I'm not in, they don't have any self-identification, so not really about having some fear. That's why it's so popular. It's so popular that one could say that the whole of mankind is doing it. Like in that option, of course, and something else is happening. So we have now all this manifested in the body, and what the mind has put in there, only the mind can take up. So if we have the possibility of becoming aware of a sensation or an emotion, either way, and are really able to let go, have no judgment on Oh, this is a nice one, this is not a nice one. How did I ever get this one? Oh, I must have been so worried. Well, I've got every right to be worried because everything is so bad and all the rest of that storyline. That doesn't help. That just indexes a little more, makes it a little more soft. The only thing that helps is letting go go in the next spot. That's why I keep saying the same thing over and over again. Letting go is the key word of all virtual practice. Letting go. And whatever it is, if we let go of it, we have one burden left. Whether it's a burden of wanting to be liked, wanting to be appreciated, wanting to be clever, wanting to be knowledgeable, wanting to be entertained, whatever it is that we want to let go. And we have one burden left. In the end, we've got to let go of everything, don't we? But then it's a bit late because we don't feel so well anymore and then we can't understand. So it's a bit difficult one to let go. So letting go now. And here we have a perfect Mm-hmm. pattern 
making rules. Because we can't do this meditation if we don't. So it's actually something we're forced to do. If we don't let go, we stick with a particularly strong sensation because the mind will keep going back to it and back to it and back to it. We haven't let go. And we can't keep going. So here is the um, necessity. Now in daily life, we don't recognize the necessity. The necessity is an equally strong perspective of all these negative, uh, negative emotional things. But we don't recognize. Because everybody else is doing it too. Everybody else is worried and fearful and upset and anxious and in a hurry and tense. And, uh, uh, so we don't even know that we are all these things. Because it's so common and so habitual that if we should get together with someone or some situation where this isn't happening, most people say, gee, isn't it peaceful here? Only when they see the opposite do they recognize that before that there wasn't any peaceful. So in daily life, it's much more difficult to become aware of this necessity of letting go than it is in this practice. So we have to practice it in this method. And then we can use it in everything else. This letting go tells us another thing which is very important. Namely, not only the impermanence of the sensation or the feeling, but also that it's only existing while we're putting our attention on it. We take our attention off it, it doesn't exist anymore. It's the most important single item that we need to practice. Put our attention on that which is meaning. Take it off everything else. And life becomes flowing and easy. And we can remember those things which are meaningful and forget what doesn't matter. Most people's lives are cluttered up with unnecessary and unimportant details which have no practical meaning. Practical, of course, means that we need it. If we need something that we need for life support, yes, certainly. But all the other stuff that people have in their lives mostly is clutter. It's very interesting to go home after a course, if one remembers any of this, look at the cupboards and unclutter them. They are a manifestation of cluttered minds. Very interesting. Lots of people do not want to move up, but some people do that. Some people actually do that and find that another burden gone. Hanging on, keeping it. Well, hanging on, keeping to things is exactly the same thing as hanging on, keeping to emotions. So, we have here a perfect practice for having to let go, because we don't, we can't continue, we don't get on the feet. Obviously, it needs practice, it needs time. And uh, that's why I say, at least once a day, more, if you want to. These are all tools, do with them what you, what you want. But once a day is a minimum, and even a daily life. One should continue. 
We start getting worried and fearful again. We have negativities again. We have dislike, rejection, resistance. We have all these things again. Vast hopes. And as they come, they embed again and again. So we need to keep on cleaning. Just like we clean a house, floors and windows and bathrooms. We do that daily. Oh, this needs cleaning. Oh, the body needs cleaning daily. So the mind needs it worse. It's not such a tragedy if we shouldn't have a shower each day. It's much more of a tragedy if we don't clean out our mind each day. It's much more difficult to live with for oneself and others naturally. But since we're doing this, first of all, for ourselves, what happens with others is a secondary uh, benefit which comes automatically. The first thing is to have that cleanliness of mind in oneself. So the first thing that we have is a purification system again. The second thing that we have is we have an understanding that there is a connection between mind and body, but they're not the same. The mind does it, and the body is the recipient, the unwilling recipient of process. It gets the orders, and there it is. And thirdly, we see that we only know where we put our mind. Whatever else there is, we don't have to know. So if there's a particularly strong sensation somewhere, the mind can't get off it, that's all we know. We don't know anything else. But in daily life it's exactly the same thing. If we don't take the mind off any kind of worry or fear or anxiety, that's all we know. And then we think we have to tell the life what we do. Of course. But if we take it off that and put it on something which is wholesome and beneficial, well then we think we have a wonderful life. Well, of course we do. That does not mean suppression. It means recognition, no blame, change. The same formula over and over again for making this connection between what we do here and what we do in daily life. If we don't connect, we'll never make a picture out of this jigsaw puzzle. It's all going to be little bits and pieces stuck together in a totally random fashion giving no picture at all. We just know, oh yes, I'm supposed to meditate. Oh yes, that's right, I should watch my sensation. Oh yes, that's right, right. But why? What is it supposed to do for me? How can I actually use it? If you don't make these connections, the practice will never flourish. And if one ever starts again, one does it at least in stops and Very few people will continue if they can't see what it does. And can't continue with any daily living. Has to be continued in daily living. In a different fashion, of course, but this is still a fact. You don't go and stand in an office, you don't go to the, the body to get to the sensations, but you know we've got to let go. And that's the letting go. Is the ease and the um, 
feeling of lightness, of being without that particular burden. And that gives one an emptiness. What it actually means when the Buddha talks about letting go of his ego delusion is letting go of his biggest And all of a sudden then, when it happens for the first time, there is this feeling of lightness, of being completely without that which we are constantly trying to achieve and never do. We can't achieve this kind of flow, this kind of peacefulness, this kind of recognition that everything is fine unless we let go of ego. If we learn let go, just let go, we learn that, we get an inkling of this freedom. We don't get complete freedom, of course, but we get an inkling of that freedom, of that liberation. So at least we know a little bit what we're talking about. Buddha is talking about. There is freedom, there is liberation. All has to do with shedding. Not suppressing. Shedding. Why shedding it? Because it has no value. Value. Is it value is it valuable to hang on to worry? Is it valuable to hang on to fear? Is it valuable to hang on to any sensation? Well we were going through the bodies over there. Well, is there any value in keeping them? Or is it much more, much better to let go and go on to the next one? What we also learn again, like we do in every meditation, in every meditation method, to be here now. And that is an essential precondition for letting go. If we're not here this minute, we can't let go. Letting go is also in this moment being here now. So when we become aware of the sensations, what to be the sensations that they are now. It can't be the one that might come tomorrow or five minutes later. And it can't be the one that we had some time ago. It's got to be the one that they are now. It may not, in the beginning of practice, be the one that we are, where that the mind is on that spot in the body, and the sensation is there. It may be a different spot in the body to become aware of the sensation. This happens quite frequently in the beginning of practice. However, it's a sensation that is there now. So we learn the here now. But there's another thing that this relates to, and that's the four elements. The hardness, the temperature, the liquidity, water elements, which is also cohesion, and the wind element, which is also movement. I've mentioned all of them many times during the Golden Flow, and this is something which is very interesting to um, get in touch with because they are very definite sensations, and they are usually so strong that they override other sensations. And getting to know them like this makes it then easier to know them in everyday life. Also, as I said, for instance, when we don't have to attend to anything that is absolutely essential, we can see ourselves in the light of the four elements and thereby reduce our ego illusion. The more we reduce the ego illusion, the easier life becomes. 
the more difficult life is, the more ego losing there is. This attention to the elements, and I've already talked about their um, qualities and their um, characteristics, can now be, in that meditative process, be seen quite clear. It's not difficult to feel the hardness when sitting. It's not difficult to feel the hardness of the flesh or the bones. It's not difficult to feel the saliva in the mouth or the temperature of the body. All of that is easily available. The movement in the body is also easily available because if there is any tingling, if there is any uh, crawling uh, sensation, but the moving Connection. Make a connection. You have a unique chance. You're here for two weeks, which is a long time. I usually do seven or ten day courses. And I don't think I will be given another two weeks. It's a long time. You have a unique chance. And also, I hardly ever have so, well, never, so few people. You have a chance of a lifetime. Make use of it. Check it all out. It changes life completely. I've given you many ways of checking it out. Try them all. But if one particular way makes the biggest impact, stay with that one. And check it again and again. Once doesn't change a thing. Once doesn't change one's habits. The thinking habits. The thinking habits are deeply ingrained and they are turned again and again. And most people don't even know their own thinking habits because they don't pay attention to it. It's a chance to see them and to see that it takes quite a heavy weight to turn that habit around because it's so deep in one. So if you find any of these methods, and I'm now talking about the way of looking at oneself, not particularly the meditation method, are particularly helpful. Use it over and over and over. You won't believe that you're just the four elements just by saying, oh, yeah, this is four Okay, yes, I can see that. Finish. Never. It won't make us slightest In the next conversation, you're going to have about dumb like me. Remember that and say, you know, we're only the four elements. So what's the matter? Knowledge. That's not what a meditation course is for. It's not for knowledge. The knowledge is only the information so that you know what to do. It's not for gaining knowledge. That knowledge is necessary as an underpinning so that one knows exactly where to look. Because we all know where to look in order to get what we want. We know exactly where to look. But we don't know where to look to find out who we really are. So this knowledge of information can make one look where it's important to look. And then one has to look over and over and over. It can sometimes bring about an insight which is extremely strong that too has to be resurrected over and over and over. So what does one need? Patience, determination, perseverance, and I said it Sometimes the Buddha 
have been uh, accused of being elitist because he does mention imperative. But without it, we're sunk. Yeah, we might be able to get calm, and that's about it. But these things, the connections, only an intelligent mind can make. And that's exactly what an intelligent mind is all about, making connections. Seeing how one thing works with the other, how it all fits together. That's intelligence. And we all have the ability to strengthen and cultivate our intelligence. We're not born with it at the end of it. That's another myth with these IQ tests we have. Nonsense. Utter nonsense. We, we can in, in develop and cultivate it, just like we can develop and cultivate this heart, the quality of the heart, same with the quality. Here's a chance to look at it all and to actually see it in oneself. So we have those possibilities of the four elements which come up. And then we have even more than sensation, there's the possibility that emotion. Now that has been an embedded thing, the emotion, and has been so strongly embedded that when one touches a particular place in the body, it arises. The touch of it is a It arises because it's been sitting there. It's not arising out of anything that is happening now. The arising is that which has been embedded. Now, hate and greed and delusion, but let's just say it is because delusion is not divine. Factors for it, for that causes. Hating greed are embedded. And all we need is a trigger to let them come up. And some people need one trigger and some people another. Some people hate their, their dogs and some people don't see the thing about And some people hate when they're not being appreciated or they hate something. Doesn't matter, it's just a trigger. It's always there. It just needs to be tripped. The same thing happens when we put our attention quite objectively on parts of the body because it's all in there and it just comes up. And we think, we make a, we make it in, a reaction to it, basically that this light comes up. Okay. Oh, has come up because I don't like this medication Nothing like it. It's sitting in there. We don't have to find a cause, an outside cause for it. It's all in here. And this is what we need to learn for our daily life. It's not Joe Blow that's doing it. It's sitting in there. That's why it comes up. It's the only reason for it. And if we can see that in this method, well, nobody's bothering us, nobody's saying anything, nobody's doing anything, it's just coming up. It's so easy. Because it comes up, light comes up, boredom comes up, uh, rejection comes up, uh, whatever it may be. And so, what am I feeling that? Or taking to that? Anything. It's none of that. It couldn't possibly come up, it wasn't in there. Nothing comes up that we don't carry around with us. One day, when you lose any of those things, you know, because they don't come up anymore. Then you know, it can't come up, so it's not there. Then you know, I'm very grateful to the practice. One or two of the things that used to come up, they'll come up anymore. And eventually, one day, nothing comes up. 
make it come up. Anyway, this should be a lesson which is so plain to see that we can transfer it into daily life. It's coming up because it's sitting in there. It's not coming up because of. And then we have all these ideas because of what. Now here, it's a perfect situation to recognize that. So any time in daily life when these things come up, the dislike, the rejection, the um, unhappiness, all of those things, we're never going to, after some time, never going to look for an outside cause. We only look for the inside cause. And the inside cause we don't have to look for. It's not, not, not far to go. It comes up because it's there. And then we also know from this practice that all we have to do is take our mind off it and put it somewhere else and it's gone. So, instead of having hate, we'll put it on love. Very simply put, it's not very easy, but anyway, just to give the idea of what it meant. Because we know already we don't have to keep our attention on that which is neither beneficial nor in any way peaceful. We can take it off and put it on And only then have we recognized what the Buddha has been talking about as practice. And only then do we realize that all these things that we identify with are nothing but mental emotions. And they don't have to be kept. So if we see that clearly one day, there's a great feeling of freedom because we don't own those spaces anymore. We can change them at will. The less we own, the less worries we have. The more we own, even in material matters, the more worries we have. The ownership of things is always fraught with the worry of losing them, of having them stolen, of having them bro- broken, of having them having to repair them, having to insure them, having to knock them up. The ownership of our emotional, mental emotional state is fraught with a great deal of fear concerning the negative ones. If there's somebody that's going to make them wrong, will I have it again? If it's going to happen again. Maybe I shouldn't do this, maybe I should do that, not to get this state, not to get that state. If we don't own them, and we know that when they arise, we can let go and change, no such thing about We don't have to worry about them. Not to be misunderstood that we don't worry about them means that we're not afraid of them. We know how to deal with them. They are still a source of practice but we know how to deal with them. These are possibly the two most important things that we can learn on this practice. There's nobody out there that's making us have any sort of emotion. We only arise because we've got them. And when we take our mind off, they're gone. Now if that can be practice in daily life, you can do anything. Anything at all. It doesn't matter anymore. Because the energy is laid free to do that which is really valuable. And that energy that is laid free for what's valuable, for energy, for, has then no impediment 
Buddhist teacher method is very helpful in that way. It shows us a way to purify, shows us a way to use our mental emotional state in a wholesome manner. Whichever ones they are, we can use them wholesome. Now this is one way of doing that. And this particular practice has also, because of the letting go, not only the liberation, the freedom for our mental emotional state, it also frees the body. Now, I'm not going to go so far as to say that it will heal its good, but what it does, it frees. There's a freeing because of this letting go. More often one does it, particularly if when a painful feeling is in the body, which is very um, disturbing to the mind. I think in this context I'll tell you that the Buddha said that an unenlightened worldling has two arrows that hit him, whereas the enlightened noble one has only one. The one arrow that will be shot at and will pierce the enlightened noble one is the unsatisfactoriness of the world. The enlightened one has just as unsatisfactory as one of these. But the worldling has two arrows. The body is unsatisfactory and the mind is gone. And the enlightened one doesn't do that So here we have, because of non-response, if we do this practice, we can't respond because we respond with stopping the meditation. Because of non-response to whatever arises there, and non-judgment of whatever arises, and the necessity of letting go, we have a freeing also of the body, not just the freeing of the mind. Minute, middling, great, whatever, whatever anybody can do, it has a lot to do with the length of practice. The longer one practices and really practices, the better, of course, the result is clear. The more time one takes for anything, the more skillful one becomes. One doesn't become a skilled artist or a skilled tradesman after one year of apprenticeship. Nobody has ever managed that. One only becomes skilled at anything when we have given ourselves to it wholeheartedly for a length of time. And this is what we need to do here also. And as we do that and have that chance, and everyone who is sitting here has been meditating for some time, as we continue to do that, things fall into place. Some of these jigsaw pieces start making a picture, because we learn to check ourselves out in daily life, so that we can finally get a picture and also see which one of the jigsaw pieces we haven't put into place here, which one is still obstructing the flow. 
And that kind of thing is mindfulness. Now obviously, as I said already, this is mindfulness taking place, and not to be confused with mindfulness of the body. We're using the body only because it manifests sensation and feeling. This is not mindfulness of the body. This is mindfulness of feeling, the second foundation of mindfulness, feeling including sensation. And both are equally valid and equally important to attend to because they both have the same effect in the letting go aspect, in the non-judgment. We can not only do this in the meditation practice, we need to also do this outside of the meditation watching their rising while they're here. Often, watching the arrival of the and recognize how we deal with it. Name it. It's the biggest help we can get. Then we get to know what's going on inside. Actually naming it. And if it has already gone past without being named, and you're already reacting to it, namely, a force foundation of mindfulness, getting all these thought processes out about it. Go back. Here you can do that in daily life, and you have enough time. Why you're already answering to something, the next thing has already arisen. But here, we have time. Naming the feeling that has arisen, particularly, of course, mental emotions, which are the emotions. But, if it's a sensation, that's fine too. And if it's a naming of it, you get an idea what it is and how you're habitually reacting. So you have a pres- uh, the possibility of either the second phase or the third phase of mindfulness. Second phase, pleasant, unchecked, needful feeling, as response to sense contact, or mental emotional states, which are our emotions, but also our mental state, which can be, if you say, for instance, uh, foggy, mind foggy. We don't usually use that as an emotion, we say that's a mental state. So both of these belong together, mental emotional state. And if it had already escaped you, or that ending. The more we learn that, the easier it is to deal with it. As we've learned to deal with it, we don't have to necessarily name it, because we can recognize when it is not helpful. When it is unwholesome, not skillful, without even meaning, we recognize that. But in the beginning of practicing, it is very helpful to give this name and to actually know, aha, this has a reason, irritation has a reason, dislike has a reason, boredom, rejection, resistance, anxiety, fear, words, motion. <laughs> Did you? Mm. Well, it doesn't matter what it was. That's what it was. Exactly what she just described. That's what it was. Well, you 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 start closing your writing. That's exactly what it was. I mean, what do you want to know about it? That's it. So next time, if it comes again, you know what to do. Let's go. It may never come again. All right. Then you're now going to do it yourself. It doesn't matter whether you take right side first or left side first, or one and the same. 
to start at the top of the line of the world. If you miss a place, it doesn't matter either. You take the next path. If you don't get any feelings, you are in the Nobody else get any emotions, just just uh, higher. Nobody else had any emotions. Only well, that's not the whole So, what you do? Sorry? Um, did you look at the anger? That's important. You look at the anger, recognize it for what it is, namely very unhappy, and deliberately drop it. That's the best really situation you have. Because um, the, the thought process which goes on there is, uh, is this, let's get this out of here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got nothing to do anymore with your anger. You're, and this is exactly what happens in daily life all the time. Mm-hmm. So, the thing to do is look at the anger before the story line and see it for what it is. Unwholesome emotions drop forward. But not blaming oneself for it. It just is. But what we're doing is, we instead of it just is, we are making it appear to be something. And that we make it appear that it has arisen out of something which we obviously dislike and therefore it can't be any good because we dislike it. It's a myth and it's a thing that we all do it, the whole of humanity does it. And therefore we can't get along together and we can't live together on this planet. It's always, did you know, talking about not living together, that there have been 102 wars since the end of the Second World War? I just read it. In that time. I didn't read that too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't read that. I said I read the 102 uh, wars. I mean, and this, we all are, are, are contributing towards that. It's not them. They're just in a worse position because it's happening on their ground. We're all doing it. And only when we see that clearly can we practice. Because that is going to be the reason for practice. Why should we sit otherwise if I'm talking about that? That's why so little practice is going on. Because people don't know what it means to practice, why they should practice. And make a special holiday out of it. In this method? Yes, certainly. Yes, certainly. Um, and if this method leads to the adoption, this one, um, don't. This is not, this one isn't supposed to lead to adoption. This one's supposed to lead to insight. Because you can do absorption anyway, and you don't have to have this method, right? So, in order to get to insight, get yourself out of it again, and keep going. Seeing that you don't have to react to the feeling whether it's happy or unhappy, it goes away again, it's impermanent, because the absorption alone does not change it. So, this one is for its mission. Okay? Yeah. It's just, um, how get the area around it, not this forest. Yeah. And because of that, you look at the cross, and you're not doing the piece by piece, you're doing the whole thing. So, I mean, you know, 